Aloha, this is Joe, aka the Curvy Geeky Fangirl, and uh, so a thing happened. I just finished my other podcast, I was so proud of myself, look at the consistency, and then realized that in the podcast I previous, uh, that I posted this week, I mentioned how I was going to talk about the magicians, and then I didn't talk about the magicians. So this will be a special delivery with just focused on the magicians and what happened in this past episode. I'm going to be talking about magicians season four, episode three, the bad news bear and what went down in that past episode. So, um, yeah, you know, two, think of it. It's a gift. Two things, two podcasts from Joe, AKA the girl, my apologize for my mess. Uh, this is what happens when you try to do things last minute and try to cram everything into a very late night session and it doesn't work. So lessons, lessons learned. So I'm going to be jumping into the magicians. I'm going to be talking about all of the fun crew, the magicians crew, getting into Quentin and Julia and Penny and Katie's bit. I'm going to be talking about Josh and Margo and their adventure with Monster Elliot. I'm going to be talking about Santa and our girl Alice over there being held by the librarians. And um, maybe even a little bit about Dean Fogg and the madness that is ensuing around him. Ah, for that episode. So join me, won't you? Won't you join me? So quick self-plug. As always, this podcast is going to be going out also. And everywhere you listen to podcasts, please listen, rate, subscribe, if you will. It does help a girl out. As always, you can find me all over the place, curvygeekyfangirl.com. I am very active on Twitter under curvygeekyfangirl. And you can also find me on Instagram, not so active on Instagram. It's going to happen one day. I'm going to get it together and get these posts organized. But it's still out there right now. So that's also under Curvy Fangirl. So stick with me. I'm going to be jumping into the episode. Focus all on The Magician. Season 4, Episode 3. The Bad News Bear. Right after this. All right. So here we go. The Magicians. As promised and woefully left out of the last part of it. But here we go, special delivery section. Uh, So I'm gonna break these down into the character arcs that we got throughout the episode. Uh, We had very interesting pairings, which usually happens with magicians. Look, magicians, as much as I might gripe about it, listen to the previous episode where I actually included it uh, and talked about the first and second episodes of The Magicians for season four. I've had my gripes with magicians in that it is quite the balance to show these characters as these self-serving assholes that they are while also wanting you to root for them. It is quite a balance to do that. And it's something that for me did not happen in the book. So seeing how they juggle it, I got to give them credit. Writers, producers, director, everybody involved, casting and crew in trying to make this project work, it is enthralling and annoying and satisfying all at the same time. And they have a lot of characters they've got to juggle. This isn't like one with a bunch of friends or anything like that. They all get their own moment to shine, as it were. So they're constantly juggling all of them together. 
that's a lot. So usually they'll pair them off. So we get like, uh, like in the previous episodes, we had a Quentin and Monster Elliot combo. We had a um, Margot off on her own. We had everybody else lumped together. So Katie, Josh, Penny, all pushed together. Uh, sometimes Julia's off on her own and she's really teamed up with like Dean Fogg or somebody else, Todd. And we'll, and we'll get little snippets here and there. And even though the stories or the arcs get separated like that, you, at least for me, I don't pick up on the fact that we're not spending as much time with each character because the stories themselves kind of wrap up and are satisfying and feed into a main overarching storyline. I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of show, of of shows that have this like long goal story plot and then these little mini adventures in between <laughs> between very Power Rangers. And um but those like mini adventures le- lending themselves to the main story arc at the very end. Like a game. You got these little mini battles and then you get the boss battle and you find out what you're made of. There you go. So that's what's happening in The Magicians. They're still doing the separating. We're only three episodes in. Slowly but surely getting more and more information about what they are trying to accomplish and what exactly they're facing. So previously, we learned that everybody's got their memories back now. So they had been uh, quote unquote protected by having their memories stripped from them after they very... uh, bumbling idiot style figured out how to get magic back into the world and not without making a lot of enemies uh, in the process to be fair you know they came across like fairy slavery and uh the fact that this uh ridiculous monster exists that can kill anybody at a whim uh things like that and um we kind of jump into this next episode i'm gonna kick it off with what's going on with alice and santa they got the least amount of time in this episode. And I feel like with good reason, like there's not a whole lot of headway happening in the Alice department. She made a deal with the library in the previous season, completely broke that deal with the library uh, because she came to her own conclusion that uh, things shouldn't work out the way that people were thinking they should work out. Alice has the gift of looking at the bigger picture. However, she also has this annoying knack to well, to decide that she knows what's best for everybody and then just act on that. A lot of the time she's right though. A lot of the time she's right. And in the previous season, she was like, we can't be trusted with magic. Therefore, magic can't exist, period. Extreme, yeah, extreme. A brutal betrayal of everybody who was trying to get magic to come back in the first place. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was. But as this season is progressing, you, we kind of see her point being made in that magic is just shaking up a lot of things for a lot of people. And had it not been in place, half of the stuff that they're stressing about or running away from wouldn't even be a threat. So that's happening. So Alice has figured out that they need to get out. Not only do they need to get out, they need to get their books. She gets a visit from Dean Fogg. Dean Fogg goes to see her finally. Apparently she's been waiting to see him and he finally made his way through. He gives her this very cryptic message about her friends and about what's going on with the library. Alice is smart. She's manages to piece together that some, her friends are in danger. And in order for her to help, she needs to be able to get their books. Uh, they set up in previous seasons that everybody on the planet, 
I don't know if it's just magic users or not, has a book that kind of fills itself out and stops when you die, basically. And these books are filed in this library. Uh, they've, she's had the chance to look at her book and other people's books before, and they've always gotten caught. That's the whole deal. You're not supposed to be able to look at your own book. I don't know if it's so much that you can't get insight into what's going on with you or they just don't want you to have that kind of a cheat. So she figures out how to escape from her holding spot, excuse me, her holding spot with Santa. Uh, The holding spot, they don't really, we know it's like a jail. We know it's like a holding unit for them. It's super gray. They're in uniforms. They have like these very plain cots that they've got to stay in. But um, they never really say whether or not the library is an actual jail. We just know they're being held there. And it's in a room that's kind of anti-magic. So they can't cast like they normally would uh, because of the space that they're in. But Alice is a smart, smart, smart bean. And she figures out how to get them out of there. She breaks them out, her and Santa. They beeline it for the main librarian's uh, or the head librarian's office. There's a fireplace in there. And uh, that is the whole plan, basically. Like, get out, get to this uh, headmistress's, or no, head librarian office and use the fireplace to escape. Along the way, though, she changes up the plan just a little bit. She's like, listen, uh, based on this conversation I have with Dean Fogg, I need to make sure my friends are okay, which means I gotta get their books. Santa finds out that there are books for every single person. And he's like, are you telling me? I could have saved so much time. Books that tell you everything, like if you're naughty or nice. Again, you kind of want to root for him, but this is magicians. So I'm sure there's going to be a dark snap or to whatever it is that he's trying to do. So uh, they go to go find their books. Uh, I want to say Santa finds his book, but he can't find her friends. Alice also can't find her book or her friends. And then she realizes they've been pulled for whatever. And she's like, crap. So she gets them to the main library or the head librarian's office. And they're kind of at a crossroads. She can either leave with him right then and there and book her freedom. But in doing so, she won't be able to save her friends. And Dean Fogg has made it pretty clear that her friends are in trouble. So she does a self-sacrifice thing and tells Santa to save himself. And she's going to stick around the library for a little bit more. And that's pretty much the whole arc of Alice's story for this episode. Not a whole lot, not super heavy. We just know that Dean Fogg knows a little more than he's actually letting on. And now that everybody's got their memories back, oh, it's going to be problematic for all involved. What else? We also have, oh, the Julia, Katie, Penny, and Quentin situation that's going down. I'm going to get to Julia in a second because she does some things in here where I'm just like, why? Why are we doing this? Uh, Basically, their whole story arc is figuring out how to get more information about what's going on with the library, but also get like more magic so that they can actually protect themselves now that they know that so many people are going to be coming after them. The Dean makes it known that the McAllisters are pissed about everything that went down when they were trying to get magic back. Cause you know, they kind of unveiled the fact that the McAllisters were, had fairy slaves and they were chopping into pieces slowly, but surely, you know, to preserve magic, terrifying. So, um, Their whole plan is to figure out how to get more magic, basically, because everything is being streamed by the librarians. They have complete control over the flow of magic. 
uh, what is her name? Mar Marina lets it known, lets it be known that uh, librarians have something uh, are holding something called Deweys. There are these coins that kind of work like magic batteries, basically. They give you a bigger stock of magic for you to wield and use the way you want to. Uh, in order to get them, you need to get a black card. And she plants this idea into the, the crew's head about what they could do to help protect themselves. Marina's very, very, very self-serving. But like an odd... I don't I'm not saying honest self-serving because she's constantly lying to them and tricking them, but like they make it clear and plain from the get-go. She's that bitch. She's literally the person who's looking out for herself always, always. She's going to be striking a deal with whoever she got to strike a deal with. She's going to be breaking promises wherever she's got to in order for herself to survive or get ahead. That's, that's just her deal. Which I happen to respect. <laughs> I happen to like. Like, there's no question. There's none of this hem and haw over the moralities of her choices. Like, she knows that she's getting into deep, deep, deep twisted shit. But she keeps doing it because she wants to. And that's the end of it. It's not like this Quentin, Julia, guilt trodden, oh, I don't know if I should have done this type of road. She doesn't go back and forth. She's straightforward. I'm about me, deal with it. She basically tells them, oh, she, she plants that idea that they should get these Deweys and then also lets them know that um, they need her help. Basically, she was like, you know, for all the assistance I provided you, you guys owe me and I want five Deweys when you go and do this plan of yours. I gave you the idea. You're going to be using my resources. So you're gonna have to pay me. And of course, they're like, oh, what? And then she drops like, listen, you can try to run if you want to, but I have trackers in you. Because of all of them, she is definitely the most skilled in her magic right now. Because she's able to tap into another source that they aren't yet. Because she is a hedge witch and they just got their memories back. So they're like, damn it, we have to work within the confines of this. So they introduce a new character. Penny knows somebody uh, from his timeline. Mind you, this is Penny from timeline 23 so he's not the penny that we've known and watched get poisoned and die this this penny was not in a romantic relationship with katie he was in a romantic relationship with julia in his timeline so he's kind of a fish out of water he's a lot more friendly than our penny ever was uh from this particular timeline and um He's like, well, you know, I might know somebody. I just hope that the Penny from your timeline knows this person too. Turns out he does. So there is a character called Frankie that, get in that gets introduced to the gang. He is basically a, um, oh, what's the word? He knows how to fake a lot of things. He knows how to, how to dress stuff up. Forger. Yeah, he's a forger. Yeah, he can forge a lot of things basically. Uh, but the way he does it is not through mimicry or, or glamorous necessarily. He does it through luck. He knows a lot of spells for luck. And because of this and because of all the stuff he's done, it's kind of permanently coded him in luck. So all throughout their whole conversation when they're trying to make plans to get these Deweys, the most random shit is happening to him. He like a bird flew to the apartment saying to him and gave him a sandwich. Uh, he they get a knock at the door. He's like, it's probably for me. Turns out he won some kind of lottery situation, including new shoes. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll see you guys later. Like, <laughs> like they're just staring at him as all this stuff keeps happening to him. All this good stuff keeps happening to him. And he basically breaks down what he's gonna need and what they gotta do. 
Uh, ultimately, they come up with this plan for him to forge a black heart so he can get these Deweys. They get what they need. It involves Quentin having to play card tricks for uh, a game of push that wizards are holding somewhere. It was nice to see Quentin kind of drop back into the the card thing again because that used to be his thing earlier seasons. That's what Quentin was all about. Flipping cards, doing magic with cards, practicing his uh, casting with cards because uh, before he realized Fillory was real, that's what he kind of relied on, doing sleight of hand tricks. So it was nice to see him get back in touch with, with uh, it was a nice little shout out to old Quentin and the card tricks. At no point did I think he was going to be in trouble and not get what they needed uh, from this, but it was it was a little fun departure from the main tour. Then they finally get down to business. Uh, Frankie makes it so that uh, whoever they're sending in to get these Deweys will have insanely good luck to get this done because they're going to need it. They're going to need it. They're wanted everywhere. So he's like, here's the deal. You have so many time, you know, have so much time to get this done. I'm going to give you the uh, all of this luck that we forged, basically, so you can go and get what you need to get done. However, luck is zero sum, meaning you can't have luck without its corresponding fantasticness of bad luck also. It's got to forever be the uh, be balanced, basically. And we find out that he's focused all the bad luck into this fuzzy bear. He's like, so whoever's going in, you guys have to choose some poor soul to literally hold this bear and bear the burden of having all this bad luck. And at first, Julia's like, it's gonna be me. Like, she's feeling invincible. Uh, she's a former goddess. She is stripped of her power, but uh, like her attacker once told her, it's very, very hard to kill a god even once you strip them of their ability. And she's already kind of proven that in the previous season. She basically killed herself over and over and over again to break a battery that the Dean had in his office. So she's like, whatever it's gonna throw at me, I know I can survive it, I'm down. She holds the bear. Frankie immediately senses this is not gonna work. Whatever balance it is that she is trying to court, it's going to majorly mess up these poor people who are trying to get this good luck on them. So he's like, no, 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 you can't hold it. It's gotta be somebody else. Drop the bear, drop the bear, drop the bear. She throws it, Quentin catches it. He's got to be the person to hold it. Quentin always looks like a kicked puppy. He always looks like he's just never having the greatest day. And now he's going to have like all good reason to be in this shape, essentially. And they do a, it's a quick worker workup to show you the drastic difference between being somebody who's bearing a lot of good luck and somebody who's bearing a lot of bad luck. So Penny and Katie decide to take their chances with going into the library and seeing how the good luck works to make things happen for them is interesting. Like uh, them walk, they have terrible disguises walking into the library, but because of the luck that's also working with them, a lot of people aren't even giving them a second glance. So no one's really noticing that, you know, they're exiles. Then they even make it all the way to getting a Dewey, passing on that black card, getting these Deweys. And, um, you see this part where Quentin lets go of the bear for like a hot second. He gets a phone call and he gets really scared to answer it because he's been getting all this bad luck. And his first thought is that it's going to be his dad. So in his panic, he lets go of the bear. And in that brief moment, you start to see all that good luck they had quickly change. 
and all of the the chances of them getting away with it start to fold in on themselves. But he picks it back up. It goes right back on track. They manage to get use that black card that they forged, get these Deweys, and get the hell out of there. They get back to the apartment. All everything's said and done. Frank gets his cut of what. Of, I wonder if it was a Dewey. I think it was a Dewey. He also wanted a Dewey, so he they end up giving him his share. He basically like, you know, says goodbye to Penny. Let's them know, listen, you only got a few more hours left on whatever this is. If you want to write out that good luck, find some poor person to hold, hold the bad luck or get rid of it. And Katie's like, I got this. And we know Katie's up to something. Earlier in the episode, she had made mention that she can't stand Marina. Marina's the reason her mother died. To be fair, the Marina that let her mother died is dead. And she died a violent death. The Marina they're dealing with right now is also from Penny's timeline. So this is Marina from timeline Tony three, but Katie doesn't care because Katie is like everybody else in this show only really cares about herself and she wants her petty revenge. So now that she's got the items that have these, these, these lucks, two of them, uh, you see her doing a quick work of casting and we don't find out till later that she probably made one of the Deweys, the new holder of all the bad luck. Meanwhile, she's got the black card still, which seems to indicate that that's where the good luck is going. And we see it start to happen like nearly immediately. Some guy pops out of the woods for Marina and is like, I've been looking for you. And then you've got Katie, you know, just walking away back towards the apartment with everybody. And she gets stopped by a woman who has a bunch of puppies. She's trying to give away for free. When the gang gets back to the apartment, they see Katie dressed entirely differently, who's now made herself completely at home at Marina's apartment. And they're like, um, so uh, maybe we should get out of here before Marina gets back. And she's like, don't worry, I've solved that problem. Now this is my apartment. And they're just like, okay, well, that's definitely gonna bite us in the ass. Um, we also get this little moment with Quentin and Julia. They've always been the best of friends. Unfortunately, that phone call he tried to avoid is still relevant. So he's got a voicemail and he's listening to it. And it sounds like it's bad news for his dad. We don't get to hear exactly what went down with his father, but it's definitely not good because he's instantly crying. Which brings me to the Julia part of this arc. So Julia basically didn't really have a whole lot other than sitting in the side wings and being there for Quentin. But there was this whole conversation she had with Dean Fogg towards the beginning, where she kind of confronts him on everything that's gone down. The fact that they had these fake identities, the fact that even though they brought magic back, now they're being hunted and they're run on the run again. And she blames him for a betrayal. And I, I had a problem with that. Julia is this character who, as much as I love her for her independence and her own free thought on a lot of things, I also want to shake her a lot of the time because she just spouts off on things that don't make any sense. And you're like, why, are, why, why are you here right now? And this was definitely one of those moments for me. She's there in Dean Fogg's office, pissed, yelling at him about how they betrayed them, how she sacrificed her goddessness, basically. Like she was a goddess, she had unlimited power and she used it to help bring magic to everybody on earth. And Dean Fogg is like, and? Like, <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah, you did. You did sacrifice all of that to try to bring magic back. But I also sacrificed myself. I had to make a new deal with the library. So you idiots didn't die. I don't know if you remember, but your plan didn't work, bitch. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I could understand if 
their plan had went off without a hitch and the dean used them the entire time and then popped up at the end and was like kidding you did exactly what i wanted you to do and now i'm backstabbing you but that's not what happened last season at all they had this quest they had this plan to bring magic back mind you they were the reason magic wasn't in existence in the first place and now they were trying to clean that mess up and they were doing a piss poor job of it the entire quest they were passing their challenges as they were going but when it came, when it boiled down to the end this is where they always fuck up and this is definitely where they fucked up they knew there was going to be a monster in the spire that they had to be in in order to get magic to be turned back on they didn't do their damn research they knew there was going to be another twist every time they go into this mess we are now in the third season fourth season hold on fourth season yeah we're now in the fourth season so they've been at this for a few years now so they know that whatever is coming at them is gonna have its own little twist to it but for whatever fucking reason they forget it at a at a pivotal point every fucking time so you have julia trying to rip dean fog a brand new one and telling him that he owes them all of these things when in reality no he doesn't i mean yes it sucks that you had to sacrifice so much and bitch you have been through a lot you have it has been brutal to you however this particular part of what's going on is because of you so slow your roll i don't know you shit and i hope you have a great day that's what i kind of wanted dean fogg to do but nah he's feeling guilty yeah 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 and also her request to him to help them locate somebody wasn't a huge demand i just i just don't like it when she takes this like holier than thou approach especially when it comes to need fog oh in past seasons when it came to everybody else in the magician crew when she was yelling at quentin or the others she just takes on this like air of like well you don't understand and i'm the only one who can see things clearly and it's like no no bitch you're wrong again again you're wrong and for whatever reason you refuse to learn from your fallacy so great that's great that's what's going on so that's pretty much it for what's happening with that portion of the crew that leaves us with margo and elliot and josh margo elliot and josh go on their own adventure um margo has come to mind you last episode she realized something's going on with fillery um it's her name finn the acting king right now and fillery i want to say it's finn fern elliot's wife she is the acting monarch right now in fillery and she's the one who let margo know that something's happening in the air in fillery it's being filled with opium which fun at first but now it's becoming dangerous because people are dying or passing out somewhere they're not supposed to and then dying and margo manages to backtrack it to this new god that's calling himself ember and it's really bacchus bacchus is a party god and he doesn't care about humans he needs them to love him so that he can continue to live and feast and be eternal, you know, immortal for eternity. Uh, but he doesn't care about their well-being. So Margo's like, you need to leave. And he's like, no, bitch. And he sent her away. <laughs> he sends her back to Earth. And we find out that she ends up like right back at the apartment and she's trying to figure out a way to, to help her friends and get everything resolved. And then she also realizes Elliot... Or when she comes back to the apartment and kind of faces Marina, Marina like gives her a heads up. She's like, hey, yeah, there's sort of like a powerful monster uh, at the apartment. I wouldn't go back there. Uh, your friends are probably going to die. So let's roll. You want to get coffee? 
And she's like, no, 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 I have to go back. I have to save my friends. And Marina's like, whatever, your friend or I don't care. Um, she, uh, Margo basically is like, is there anything that can, like, you've got that I can use to kind of help the situation? And Marina lets her know that, oh, well, she's got some type of ambrosia, basically. Uh, kind of like a god catnip, as it were. It's pretty potent and addicting stuff. So it's enough to, like, not necessarily make a god weak, but weaker than normal so if you needed to get at them you could so she's planning it's they imply it's set up like ooh, she's going to use this on the elliot monster and try to save her friend in the course of the conversation when she comes back and confronts elliot monster about what he's doing what she wants him to do uh he lets it be known that a he's still on the hunt for whatever it is that got taken from him by the other gods and uh he's not above killing everybody to do it so what's going on uh, she stops him. She's like, listen, I understand you're looking for a god. I know where one is. And she starts talking about Bacchus in Fillory. And then she also pulls out Marina's stash of this ambrosia. And she's like, you know what this is? I, we can use this to get his guard down so he can go do whatever it is you got to do for Bacchus. And he's like, great. And snaps him and Margot and Josh into Fillory. Why Josh? He said he liked Josh's face and he really wanted him to die first. <laughs> first hysterical um but it ends up being a good idea to bring josh anyway because he's actually got a tie to bacchus so in the previous season josh uh and bacchus actually were friends josh was in his circle when he was like trying to find himself and try to figure out why the rest of team magicians didn't like him for some reason it was a whole situation so bacchus and him have history and they kind of go back a little bit so Margo's like, great, you can use that to drug him up with this ambrosia stuff so that this Elliot monster creature can kill him. We can be on our way. And of course, Josh has morals and ethics. So he's like, nah, I can't, I can't set up my friend to just die. How about we do something else? And Margo's like, you need to get over it and you need to do what I need you to do right now because I need to save, save Elliot. And then again, this plays into everybody's kind of like self-serving notions that they've got. Margo is another person I respect. Above all else, she's going to protect herself and the people that she cares about. Doesn't matter. She does not have hangups when it comes to morality or ethics at all. Sometimes she works in the best interests morally for everybody, but it's not by default. She's not thinking like this is the better plan. She kind of comes to it because the people she cares about would be upset kind of a situation. The Elliot monster rightfully picks up that they have something in common in that they both really want to be a part of something, but they also don't fucking care about anybody else. He's like, we should be friends. <laughs> She's like, no. Like you see her face, the actress who plays Margot does a really great job of showing this conflict that she is constantly battling, which is that she doesn't, on the one hand, she does not want to care. She's essentially programmed herself not to care about anybody else. However, Elliot is one of the few people that have managed to break through all of her barriers and she loves him and she would do anything to save her friend. So she doesn't care what Josh has to do. She just wants him to do it so she can save her friend. Like that's, that's it. And poor Josh can't get it done. He is going back and forth on it. He gets super close to doing it and then backing away. He like slaps a drink out of Bacchus's hand. And finally, Margot threatens him. She's like, listen, I will end you 
if you don't do it. And he does it. He gets Bacchus to drink the drink. Bacchus starts to feel weird. And Monster Elliot makes his move. He goes in. They have a very strange speech. We get a lot of backstory. We find out um, that Bacchus remembers Monster Elliot in his original form. And uh, he's kind of bewildered at the fact that this monster doesn't realize why it was that they had to break him down the way they did. But he also is trying to save himself as well. He's like, I can get you other gods, blah, 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 blah. Go falls on deaf ears because Monster Elliot is busy at work. Easily slices through Bacchus. Bacchus is no more. Pulls out what looks to be like a red brick out of this body. But now he's like, okay, so I have this thing, but I have no idea what it does. This is not helping me. And they're like, well, you know, Josh is in tears. His friend is now dead. Margo's not shedding any tears. Uh, but we also find out that Margo's fairy eye can't look at the block that they just pulled out of Bacchus. It's too bright. She can't like, she literally has to cover her eye with her hand because it's, she can't handle it, uh, whatever it is in its true form. So we're left with that mystery as everything ends. And um, that's pretty much it for the magicians. That's how they left everything. So Quentin uh, is, we're left in a cliffhanger finding out what he's gonna find out about his dad. Uh, the rest of team magicians, Katie, Julia, Penny, uh, they're trying to figure out what the next step is now that they have the batteries they need to protect themselves against the McAllisters and the librarians and whoever else is trying to come for them. Uh, we've got Margot, Josh, and Monster Elliot, uh, I think returning from Fillory, basically. Monster Elliot is still trying to piece together what the hell it is that got taken from him and how to unlock the new puzzle piece he's got to figure out what's going on with that while Margot is busy trying to scheme ways to figure out if Elliot's still in this body and how to get the monster to stop being a part of it. Uh, and I'm sure Josh is also scheming ways to murder uh, Margot because he had to murder his friend. The previews for next week give you, s the only thing I really pulled away from the previews for next week is that we might see Werewolf Josh. So if you paid attention to the, I wanna say the last season, he mentions that part of the reason he stuck around Fillory or one of the downsides of him sticking around Fillory is that he got it on with somebody who was a werewolf and he got scratched in the process. I don't know if it was a petty retort because he did something to mess up a relationship or if things got too hot and heavy and he ended up getting scratched and then he became part werewolf. In Fillory, there was something he could take like a tincture or a, pot or a potion or something that kept that side of him at bay. So no one knew that he was a werewolf. And he kind of drops that info, or actually I don't know if he drops that information willingly. I think his alternate self, there's another from Penny's and Marina's timeline, timeline 23. There's a Josh in that timeline who openly talks about the fact that he's a werewolf. And he's like, yeah, uh, you know, if you're trying to use to the best of my ability to help with what the shit storm that's happening in that timeline, it was a dark timeline. It was a really dark timeline. So in the preview, we see what looks to be Werewolf Josh and he's going after Margot, rightfully so. But it's early in the season. I do not have any fear that Margot's not gonna make, out, make it out of there. She's definitely going to, and they're probably gonna figure out a way for Josh to control whatever it is that he's doing. Uh, but I'm interested in the hijinks that's going to ensue afterwards and more puzzle pieces for Monster Elliot. Monster Elliot is very interesting. And the actor that portrays him is doing, I think is doing a really good job of like this childlike innocence met with the temper tantrum of a child as well. 
but also in an adult body, like managing all of that. Somebody who's seen a lot is very old, but also very naive and very new to a lot of things. And he's he's doing a really good job of it. So I'm interested to see what else is going to happen with Monster Elliot. What the big secret is about why they had to not take him down. We keep hearing about how he was just this being of want. And it was like threatening to destroy everything. But they still kept an essence of him for some reason. Rather than just squash it out altogether. Like why not just end it entirely? So... We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to the return of the McAllisters. They are bitches not to be messed with. They have strong magic and they are heavily tied into the politics around magic for this show. And that's something I'd like to see more of, the politics of this magic. Like they are giving us tidbits with the librarians and how they're trying to gain complete control and police everybody with this magic. And they kind of went into it in the last season where we learned more about the head librarian and her daughter and her daughter's whole movement to make magic available to everybody at all times uh, and how dangerous that that was. Um, but um, it's interesting. It's interesting to see why some people feel that magic needs to be held with an iron grip and why some people feel like, no. It should be its own thing and let the chips fall where they may and how they're all wrong. Like they're all, they're all wrong in this. So I'm interested to see what else goes on with that. And that's going to wrap it up for this special delivery of The Magicians season four, episode three, Bear of Bad News, because I completely forgot to put it in the podcast. So there you go. I didn't want to leave you guys wanting also. So I'm going to get better at this. I'm going to figure out how to put this all together the first go round. But um, so I hope you guys have a good rest of the week and I'll talk to you later. Bye.